Matthew chapter 5 today. Matthew chapter 5. I started a series of sermons through the greatest sermon that I believe was ever preached by anyone, and that is commonly or popularly called, good to see you Jake, the Sermon on the Mount. Called that because Yeshua went up on a high hill or a mountain to preach to the people. It's Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. I always knew that one day I would go back over these verses. I preached them back in 2009. I was thinking the other day while I was mowing my grass at the house that I preached through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 when Brother TJ and Sister Kim first started coming to the congregation or right around that time. I remember that because there was one time that I was preaching on the verse that I'm going to preach on today and I think TJ was speaking to a youth group at the time, not far from here. And little did we know that Brother TJ would be preaching through James and be preaching through Ephesians and be preaching through Haggai or Haggai, however you want to pronounce it. (laughs) So I was thinking about that and I've learned a lot since then, since 2009. Some of the sermons that I preached formerly, just to be blunt, um, I'm ashamed of. And some of it has to do with surface study and surface preaching, but most of it has to do with, at the time when I was younger, I just did not understand everything that I understand now. Yahweh has, by His grace, made me a lot more merciful and gracious uh, because of things that have happened in my life and things that I've seen happen in the lives of others here at the congregation. And so I decided that it was time now to teach through these verses again. Normally, when I teach sermons, I write out my entire sermon, word for word. Brother TJ does the same thing. My great Opa, who was a senior pastor of a Mennonite Brethren Church, did that. And that was the first time that I got the idea from that when my dad told me many years ago that my great Opa or my great grandfather on my dad's side would do that when he would preach. And he said that somebody asked him one time, name was Franz, Franz Janssen, Frank Jansen. And they asked him, they said, Franz, they said, why don't you let the Spirit lead you when you preach? He said, because I let the Spirit lead me when I write my sermon. He said, then if I feel the Spirit's promptings, and I'll veer off, off of the sermon notes, but the Spirit leads me and guides me when I write the sermon, so... I've always done that, but I decided for this series that I would do something a little bit different. And I I have notes, but it's just an outline. And that's because um, I just wanted a lot of it to come from up here and from in here. So we'll see how that goes as we continue to go through these verses. I would like to read Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 16 today. And I'm going to preach on Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When He, speaking of the the Master, the Messiah, when He saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down, His disciples came to Him. And then He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means the humble. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. That's speaking of mourning over sin, sensitivity to sin. Repentant, penitent. Because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see the Almighty. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called the children of the Almighty. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our text today, Yeshua goes on and He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts this day. Today we learn in verses 13 through 16 that we change the world. We influence the world by following verses 1 through 12. As believers, as followers of Christ, we don't change the world by force. We don't change the world because we've got batons on one side and pistols on the other. We change the world for Yahweh by our influence and by our example. Righteous living has a double effect. Anytime that you dedicate to Yahweh, and I was telling some of my sons this week that living for Yahweh is not that difficult if you dedicate and sell out to Him. I had a youth pastor tell me one time that... um, If you try to live easy for Yahweh, it's hard. But if you live hard for Yahweh, it's easy. (laughs) Living for Yahweh is not that difficult. You've got to sell out to Him. You've got to make a decision in your mind. I'm going to serve the Creator. And I'm going to do what He says. And anytime you do that, anytime you make a decision to live righteously, there is a double effect. You will have a positive influence on some. But you'll have an influence that will cause persecution on others as we saw there in verses 10 through 11. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. There's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you because of me. Yeshua says. Great is your reward in heaven. Some people will listen. Other people will hate. Uh, The book of Proverbs says when a man's ways please Yahweh he makes even his enemies to be at peace with that man. But at the same time the scripture also says woe to the man that everybody speaks well of. So anytime that you live righteous, you'll have that double effect. You will receive persecution from some and you'll have a positive influence upon others. But we press on. We press on. And we keep living verses 1 through 12. Verses 1 through 12 are the backwards way of influencing people 
in the world's mind. We think that we influence people in the world more, the more forceful that we are, the more we repeat ourselves to them, the more hardcore that we are, uh, the less complacent or the less bendable (laughs) that we are. We think that's what's going to change the world. Yeshua says, no, what, what changes the world is humility, penitence, pure in heart, peacemaker, merciful, gentle, persecuted. That's what changes the world. Here in verses 13 through 16, we learn that we're not called by Yahweh to isolate ourselves from society. I think some people throughout Christian history have had the mindset that we're supposed to find the most remote piece of property and go and be a hermit. And I believe in living simply. I like to live peacefully. But we are not called by Yahweh to distance ourselves from society. We're called to make an impact and an influence on society. And how can we make an influence or impact on them for the good if we are not involved in society? Where we distance ourselves from the world is in what we practice. That's how we distance ourselves from the world. Not in taking part with them, but in what we practice. You cannot be salt of the earth and light of the world by being a hermit. We must permeate society in our jobs, in the areas of politics, in the home, home life, education, all of those things. We have to be where people can see us and be influenced by what they see and experience. We have to be where we can shake hands or in this day bump elbows or bump fists. And people can listen to us and hear us be merciful and hear us be gentle and hear us be kind in order to be a positive influence on society. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth. When he says you, he's speaking to the crowds there as he sat there on the mountain. He's not speaking to just the pastors or the apostles or the prophets. He's speaking to everyone. It's not just the pastor that's the salt of the earth. It's you. It's not just me that can influence people for righteousness. It's you. It's not just the adults that can influence people for righteousness. It's also the children. Not just the men, it's also the women. You are the salt of the earth, Yeshua says. Everybody that's sitting there. Salt does things like it's a preservative, especially in ancient times. Salt was a preservative. It also purifies things. And it also makes things tastier. I'll never forget my granddaddy when he was still alive. Yahweh rest his soul. May he rest in peace. He would always ask for the salt. Duke, he called Grandmama Duke. I don't know why, but he called her Duke. Duke, pass me the salt. These collard greens need some salt. Because it made it tastier. It it enhanced the flavor. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. And our life should have these effects. The same effects that salt has. Preservative, purifier, and a betterment of taste. This shows that we should not be haughty. Or, I wrote in my notes, we should not walk around as believers like something stinks. You ever seen anybody that every time you see them, it look like something stinks in the room? You know? I think I've seen way too much of that from religious people. And I don't think that that's how Yeshua treated people. 
I think He welcomed people. I think He practiced loving people in order to change their, their life. And I think that's how we ought to be as well. Preserve, purify, and a betterment. We add salt to food to better the taste, not to worsen it, but we're not to use too much salt. I heard a comedian one time, probably classified as a Christian comedian, he said, have you ever met anybody that was oversaved? You ask them if they're thirsty and they respond, yeah, I'm thirsty for the Lord. <laughs> it's like everything that they say. I ran into somebody yesterday. You can't even have a conversation with some people without them trying to get religious about on you, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'm, if you probably see me walking up to you, you probably think, well, I wonder what he's going to talk about now from the scriptures. <laughs> but I try to be able to interact with people, you know, when I work from day to day and I pump somebody's septic tank or I go help somebody at the grocery store or whatever. Just be normal. Be natural. You don't have to quote a Bible verse everywhere you go to everybody that you meet. Your life quotes a lot more than your lips a lot of times. And people will see, people will notice that there's something different about you. They will. We got through working on a job the other day. I can't remember if Elijah was with me or Josiah or somebody was with me, but the lady gave us a tip and we didn't even do anything. I couldn't even fix anything for her. And I said, you don't have to do this. She said, no, I could tell that you're a man of God. I don't say that to better myself. I just say it that I didn't even realize. I wasn't even thinking about the Scriptures. But I didn't realize that everywhere that we go, we have the opportunity for people to see, to see Yahweh. Not in all of His fullness, but, but through how we, how we act. Through how we conduct ourselves. It was a wake-up call for me because sometimes I feel like i got a rotten attitude and people are not seeing Yahweh through me. So it reminded me everywhere that I go, every word that I say, every, every person that I meet, I've got to be careful because I'm influencing them. If you're making people dread being around you, you're doing it wrong as a religious person. If somebody worries that you're going to just judge them up one side and down the other over everything, then you're doing it wrong as a religious person. There's a time and there's a way to make judgments. The Scriptures are full of that. But judging things and being judgmental is two different things. <clears throat> Having a kind word of encouragement that also is a, being a critical thinker is different than just being somebody that hammers and criticizes and pounces on people. The ground must be plowed before you plant the ground. And the way that we plow the ground, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but Yahweh gave the increase. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3. But before you plant, you have to plow. And the way that we plow is, anybody want to take a guess? Verses 1 through 12. Salt and light are defined in the context by verses 1 through 12. The way that we plow is through humility, through being peacemakers, through being merciful, through being gentle. That's how men and women's hearts are plowed for planting and for watering. I'm afraid far too often we try to move right to the planting. We try to pound that seed into there, into the soil, and the person is not plowed yet. 
We've shown no peace. We've shown no kindness. We've shown no purity of heart. We've shown no integrity. But bless God, we're going to get them to believe the way that we want them to believe. It's not the right attitude to have. Salt is a common, cheap substance. It's not gold or silver in your shaker that you're putting over your food. Salt is very common, very cheap. This reminds me that Yahweh takes common things and He uses them for greatness. Common things like Matthew. I'm not anything special. I don't know why Yahweh has me standing up here teaching. (laughs) But I do know that He takes the weak things of the world and uses them for His greatness. I know some of you feel inferior or unworthy And that's okay because so do I. A lot of times I feel inferior and I'm definitely unworthy. But that's who Yahweh uses. Hold your finger in Matthew 5. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 26 through 31. 1 Corinthians 1 beginning at verse 26. The Apostle Paul writes, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many are powerful and not many are of noble birth. Instead, the Almighty has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise. And the Almighty has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. The Almighty has chosen the world's insignificant and despised things the things viewed as nothing, so He might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in His presence. But from Him you are in the Messiah, Yeshua, who for us became wisdom from the Almighty, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in Yahweh. Yahweh can and He will use the least of us to do His work. In Matthew 5, Yeshua says, If the salt shall lose its savor or its taste, that it's thrown on a walkway. This was done then. Salt left out in the rain or sitting out on the ground, it loses its natural saltiness, its natural properties. So at this point, salt can actually destroy fertility wherever you throw it. So what would they do? People would throw it on the walkway. People would trample over it. It's good for nothing but to be trampled on by men. Thrown on the walkway. So the picture is people are trampling on it and it has no value. If we forget the qualities in verses 1 through 12, we lose our taste, our savor. We lose our salt. We will be tempted to try something different. We will think being merciful is not working. We will think we need to cause some trouble because being a peacemaker just isn't cutting it. We will think we need to do this and do that. And haven't you heard what this philosopher says and what this doctor says? Haven't you heard what this guru says? But Yeshua says, no, stay the course. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Anytime that you're tempted to do something different, to influence somebody in a different way, go back and read Matthew 5, 1-12. This is how you're the salt of the earth. And this is how you're the light of the world. 
Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 through 6 is a good parallel to Matthew 5, 13. Colossians 4 verses 5 through 6 says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Outsiders would mean people that do not believe. Unbelievers. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of our time. Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Uh, That's basically saying the same thing in two different ways. Seasoned with salt is equal with being gracious in our speech. Have you ever witnessed to someone or talked with someone about the Bible and it got out of hand and you weren't gracious with your speech? I've done it and felt bad afterwards too and had to ask for forgiveness. We don't want to burn bridges. We want to build bridges. Amen? Our speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. We stop the world from going into utter chaos when we follow Matthew 5, 1-12. Our quiet lives of humility and gentleness and peace make way more of an impact than you ever sometimes know. Look at how popular Yeshua is now. Yet He was homeless and crucified. Philippians 2 said, Therefore Yahweh highly exalted Him after He lived a life of servitude. In the form of a, of a slave. And was obedient even unto death. Rich Mullins, an old Christian singer, used to sing a song that said, The weight of the world falls on the shoulders of a homeless man. The shoulders of a homeless man. Yeshua showed us that the way to greatness and strength is not through trying to be great or trying to be strong. The way to greatness is... Humility and the way to strength is through weakness. Matthew five fourteen through 16, Yeshua says, You are the light of the world. This is a little peculiar at first because in John chapter 8, when Yeshua is speaking to the Pharisees, He says, I am the light of the world. But here in Matthew five fourteen, He says, You are the light of the world. And that's because when... He lights us, we work for Him. So it doesn't mean we are Him, but it means we work for Him and we follow His example. And when we do what He did, we shine bright just like He does. The word picture here in 14 through 16 is simply this. Light enables sight. He mentions a city that's set on a hill. You can't hide it. He mentions lighting a lamp or a candle and putting it in the most prominent place, probably in a one-room house, where everybody can benefit from the light uh, there in the room. Light enables sight. I walked into the church house today. First thing I did, turn on the lights so that everybody could see, so that I could see when I read the Scriptures. I wake up in the morning, go to work, because it's daytime. It's light outside. There's less activity at night. Even now with artificial lights, there's still less activity at night because we can't see as good. And when we live like Yeshua, when we live like Yeshua, when we follow His example, we light up this whole world with righteousness. We light up this whole world with righteousness. 
Put it, your light, where people can see it. Every time you go somewhere, it's the same thing with salt. Put your light where somebody can see it. Even when you go to the Dollar General store, as I like to call it, the Dollar General. (laughs) Even when you go there, you're supposed to be a light. How many forget that? I forget that sometimes. Maybe feeling bad in my body. Maybe he dealt with somebody that was grumpy that day. And I don't feel like being a light. <laughs> but I may miss an opportunity. There may be somebody in that store, whether it be the dollar store or whether it be the bank or whatever have you, the grocery. There may be somebody in that store that needs to see a good example. There may be somebody in there that is looking for just an act of kindness. And if I walk around with a rotten attitude and a chip on my shoulder and look like I'm baptized in vinegar instead of water, it's not going to help that person when they need it. This is just real simple life talk here today. Salt to the earth, light of the world. We shine before everybody we encounter. There needs to be no bragging, no tooting of our own horn. The Scripture says that we are to let our light shine before men so that others can see our good works, but it's ultimately to give glory to not us, but our Father in Heaven. So when we talk to people, let's remember to talk to people about the Scriptures. Let's don't talk to people about what we know about the Scriptures or what we've done in our ministry. Let's talk to people about the Scriptures and let's point people just like the Son did Let's point them to the Father. Let's always have that big arrow in our life that it's not about me, it's about Yahweh. It's not about what I can do, it's about what Yahweh can do through me. Because it really is not about any of us. We would be nothing apart from Yahweh Almighty. We wouldn't have the ability to shine if He wouldn't have put the ability to shine within us. So always point people back to the Father. We shine for Him, we do not shine for ourselves. We should not be embarrassed. If we're the light of the world, we should not be embarrassed by how we live. When we live righteous lives, we shouldn't be embarrassed. That doesn't mean we have to be braggadocious. That doesn't mean we have to be bitter. It doesn't mean we have to be hardcore or pounding towards people. But we should not be embarrassed or ashamed. Uh, Yeshua, I think one time said in the Gospels, if you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I go present before the Father. Amen. So we should not be ashamed of being humble. Sometimes, yes, that means we're going to be run over. Yeshua was run over sometimes. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We should not be ashamed of being gentle. We might be made fun of, especially if we're men. We might be made fun of for being gentle. And I believe in being masculine. I don't believe men should walk around being feminine. Don't misunderstand me. But that doesn't mean that gentleness is removed out of masculinity. Yeshua was definitely a man, right? He was a masculine. (laughs) But He said, come unto me, for I am gentle. I am meek and lowly of heart. We should not be ashamed of being gentle. We should not be ashamed of being honest. And the world teaches this, ah, it won't matter, just you know, fudge a little bit here, fudge a little bit there, it don't matter, it's not really going to bother them. We stand true, 
We're honest. We're people of integrity. Don't matter whether it's a hundred dollars or a dime. We're honest with folks. We should not be ashamed of being gracious and peaceful. We should not be ashamed of being faithful to Yahweh and faithful to our neighbor. We should not be embarrassed or ashamed of any of those things. We should not be ashamed of the of the Sabbaths that we observe. I know sometimes we're we are definitely strange. We're not just strange to the world. We're strange to the Sabbatarian world. I had a sister ask me the other day. She told me Shabbat Shalom, and it was on Saturday. I just smiled. I said Shalom, and uh, she said, "You having a good Sabbath?" And you know what? I just said, "Yeah, I, I've had a lot of good Sabbaths lately. Everything don't have to be an argument." <laughs> Every opportunity that I have to talk with somebody doesn't have to be a disagreement. That's right. There'll be a time and a place where we can discuss in brotherly, sisterly love and be kind in our discussions. And we shouldn't be ashamed about how we believe. I wasn't being ashamed. I just didn't want to stir the pot because she wasn't ready. There's a lot of people that are just starting to get involved in this walk. <laughs> There's a lot of people that only been keeping the Sabbath for less than a year. And I didn't want to blow her bubble and tell her, well, I don't believe that's the right Sabbath. Because right. she's doing what she believes is, is proper. And I think it's great. I think it's great for anybody to dedicate what they believe is the Sabbath to Almighty Yahweh. I do. But I've, I've been in situations before where I've been in a group of people and it came up that, well, that brother over there, he's, he's the Lunar Sabbath guy. He follows a different calendar. And I didn't tuck my head down. I didn't say I didn't know what you're talking That's about. Right. Right. I said, yeah, that is what I follow. I'm not ashamed of that. Right. I'm not ashamed of Yahweh's ways. I'm not ashamed of Yahweh's name. Amen. I know it's not common for people to use the name Yahweh. <laughs> I know that that's not a common thing. I know, you know, you could fit a lot better in just using God and Lord, Father. But we don't need to be ashamed of using Yahweh's name. It's His name for crying out loud. We don't need to be ashamed of wearing tassels or, or how we dress. You know, the Scriptures talks about how that we're supposed to dress modestly. Now, that's becoming less and less prevalent even in Christianity. And we want to fit in more. And I'm not saying that there's not ways that we can fit in culturally. But we never should violate Scripture to try to fit in with the culture. We should not be ashamed of, of dressing modestly or wearing tassels. When we decide that we want to purchase some new clothes or what have you, the first question that we should ask as believers is, is this going to be modest? Not, it's not that you can't ask, especially the, I know the sisters, they like things that look pretty and I like things that look orderly myself. You, you can ask those questions. Will this look nice? Are these colors going to look nice on me? Those are, that's fine. But the first question is, is this going to... Is this outfit going to be a frame for my face? 
Or is it going to reveal my body in a way that a believer should not be revealed to outsiders? My body belongs to my wife. Her body belongs to her husband, me. There are things about each other that nobody else needs to see besides me and her. It's alright. You can smile, say amen, out, something. <laughs> when I was growing up, a preacher would start preaching on something like this and they would say, oh no, it's one of them clothesline messages. <laughs> and I'm not talking about church standards. I'm not talking about traditions of men. I'm just talking about let's just be modest in our dress. We don't need to be ashamed. I know that doesn't mean we're always going to fit in. I've been out to the ocean before, fully clothed. <laughs> I've had several times when I've been with other people that I knew, and they said, you're going to put your swimming clothes on, Matthew? And I said, i got them on. <laughs> I have them on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we should not be embarrassed about being different. If we follow Yahweh, we're going to be different. We are. And it's not so much that we're just trying to be different for different sake. It's just simply that we're studying the Scriptures. We're seeing what the Scriptures teach. And that's going to make us different when we put that to practice. I have people look me up and down all the time. I get out of the work truck and the first thing they do is this. You Matthew? You the Shepherd Tank man? Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> all right. And you know, normally they're okay. They're okay with it after a few minutes, you know. But, but I, you know, I, I. But I don't want to look normal. Brother Arnold said people used to look at him up one side and down the other, and he always made the joke that he might be the first normal person that that child's ever seen. <laughs> But we should not be embarrassed. The point is is that when it comes to Yahweh's standards in the Scriptures, we shouldn't be embarrassed about them. We should not be embarrassed about them. Our family life, how we do family life. Um, I believe that the husband is the head of the home. And the husband is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. And the wife is to submit to the husband as the church submits to the Messiah. Brother TJ taught us great sermons in Ephesians 5 on that. It was very clear. It's not hard to understand. But, in culture, in society, that's becoming less and less prevalent. How we do home education. I know a lot of people look down on what they call homeschooling. I don't really like the word homeschooling, but I like home education. Or how that sometimes, instead of my sons sitting at a desk or sitting at the table, I would take them to work with me during a school day. And people would think, that's strange. Why aren't they in school? Why, do they not go to school? Why aren't they in school? And a lot of times I'd look at the people and I'd say, oh, they are. And i just keep doing what I'm doing. Because if they're with me, they're in school. They're learning from Dad. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed about home education. I'm, I'm not ashamed that Yahweh has given me and my wife the ability to teach our children the things that they need to learn for life. I know a lot of people don't like to hear folks say this, but I was me and Elijah were talking the other day, and there's some things that children get taught in high school that they will never need to know. 
Never need to know. If there is a certain field that somebody wants to go into for life, and you need to take a certain class and learn something like calculus or trigonometry or something like that, that is great. I am thankful for doctors and I'm thankful for good lawyers. But most of us generally, we get jobs where things that we learned in high school we never needed to learn. And people get bent out of shape when you do education different than the way that society says, well, you got to do it this way. See, We shouldn't be ashamed about that. Anything in the law of Yahweh, we should not be ashamed of. That is the standard. That is the only standard. There is no other standard. Only the law of Yahweh. If His law allows it, we shouldn't be embarrassed about it. If His law disallows it, we shouldn't be embarrassed about it. We've got a whole culture now. A whole culture now. Even up to the Supreme Court that has said that it is okay for a man to be married to another man. Or a woman to be married to another woman. Do I believe in loving everyone and being kind to people? Yeah, I meet people every day that don't believe anything like I do. And if I do a job for someone that is a homosexual, I do a job for them just as good as somebody that's straight. Both of them are unbelievers. No problem there. But our culture and our society are uplifting a practice that Yahweh calls an abomination. He does. And you don't have to worry about me losing any 501c3 status because we don't have a 501c3 status here at this church. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm talking from my heart. We don't need to be ashamed. We're the light of the world. We'll never be the light of the world if we live exactly like the world. If we never speak up for injustice and unrighteousness. If we never take up for lawfulness, we'll never be the light of the world. Some people have asked me, I don't preach on stuff like this a lot. Some people have asked me, so what do you believe about things like homosexuality or modesty? And It's usually because I just teach verse by verse and I go through the verses and I exegete the text and I don't make every sermon. My whole ministry isn't against homosexuality or for tithing or for the sacred name. I teach the whole counsel of Yahweh. See, So I don't talk about every single thing that I mention tonight over and over and over and over. Somebody asked me, so what do you believe about that? I said, I believe what the Scripture says. Amen. We don't need to be embarrassed by what we eat or what we don't eat. Some people will eat anything that won't eat them first. <laughs> we don't need to be embarrassed about that. I told somebody the other day, I think it was my son-in-law, I said one way that you can show yourself to be true to Yahweh is your diet and your time. Because everybody loves to eat and everybody wants to do things on their own time. But when we submit our time to Yahweh's schedule, Sabbaths, new moons, feast days, holy convocations. And when we submit our diet to His schedule, that is two ways that we can show that we are true blue to our Heavenly Father. I've heard people say before, that's my day, I want to do what I want to do. Or I'm going to eat what I'm going to eat. That's not how Yahweh's people should be. We should say, He's our King, He's our Ruler, 
He's our lawgiver. We're going to follow what He tells us to do. Once again, that this does not mean that we are to look to pick a fight. You've lost your flavor. You've dimmed your light. Be humble, be gracious, but don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed. If we are ashamed, our light is either dim or out. And when people ask, we must answer. We should be different from the world. I'm not talking about made up stuff. I have never liked church standards. They always get exalted above the law. Generally, when a church has certain standards that are not in Scripture and they preach them on to the people. I was talking to one of my best theological friends. He's a Pentecostal pastor. I tell him he's my favorite Pentecostal. <laughs> I was talking to one of him the other day and he started to grow his beard out because he sees in the Scriptures, right? And he says, man, it's ca- this is causing a lot of flack. I said, well, it causes flack when somebody don't grow their beard out in our ranks. <laughs> he laughed. Oh, man, he says some funny things. And I just share this. This was so funny. This comes from his, his mouth, but we were talking about costly array. We were discussing some scriptures in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3 about where Paul and Peter says the women don't dress in costly array. And he said, man, he said, we've got so many women with PhDs in our congregation. I said, PhDs? He said, yeah, Pentecostal hairdos. <laughs> I said, I, that didn't come from my mouth. <laughs> that came from your mouth. But he started to grow his, grow his beard out. And I said, have you preached with that beard yet? He said, brother, he said, I preached last Wednesday night with my beard, my cowboy boots, and my blue jeans on. <laughs> I said, before you know it, we're going to have a tunic on you with some tassels hanging off of the four corners. I'm not talking about church standards. This is one brother, he's good. He, 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 he's good to talk to and he, he doesn't believe in man-made or made-up standards. But a lot of times when people do away with the law of Yahweh, when they tell you that Yahweh's law and the commandments have been set to the side, they make up their own rules and restrictions to preach against. My wife and I, we sat down many, many moons ago when our children were little and we made the decision that we would never never force our children in something that the law of Yahweh did not dictate. We would be strict on the law of Yahweh where Yahweh said, other things we would be looser on. That doesn't mean as parents, sometimes as parents, we say things to our children because we're older and we think that it's the best way for them. But you know, then as they get older, those of us with older parents, as they get older, you know you've got to let the string out a little bit. You can't treat an 18-year-old the way that you treat an 8-year-old. Amen? <laughs> those of you with older parents know what I'm talking about. Older children know what I'm talking about. But at the same time, you have to continue to be strict on the law of Yahweh. The best way that you're strict on the law of Yahweh in teaching your children is by an example. Your children won't listen to you, mom and daddy, if they don't see that you do what you say. By the example that you set. Us parents are not perfect. I think everybody that starts off to be parents. They think they got everything figured out. I know I did at one time, and then you learn that you didn't know nothing. You make many mistakes. Need many do-overs. Much repentance. I've repented not just to Yahweh, but to my children before. We should be different from the world. Not made up stuff, but Yahweh's law. Just the law. 
We cannot influence the world for righteousness if we just ride with the culture. We can't. As I close today, this is a simple message, but it is a powerful message. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We need to be different from the world. And as you go out this week, I want you to remember that you're salt and you're light. You're not always going to wake up feeling like salt and light. But you are. Everywhere that you go. Not just me or any pastor. Everybody in here. Salt and light. If that makes you prideful, then you missed it. You missed the sermon. shouldn't make you prideful. You're not better than anyone else. Only mercy and grace sets us apart. Amen? Only mercy and grace. When people curse us, what are we to do? Curse them back? No. We're to bless them back. I had a lady shoot me a bird with both hands this week. I didn't do anything to her. I told Elijah, I said, I wanted, I wanted to say something back. I did. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't. But the Holy Spirit restrained Brother Matthew. <laughs> the Holy Spirit restrained me. And I'm so glad. Cause I would have felt so bad. In the heat of the moment, you do things, but then afterwards, I'd have felt so bad. And I th- thought, I need to go track that lady down and for- ask her for her forgiveness. Because when people do bad things to us, we're not supposed to repay evil with evil. We're supposed to repay evil with good. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When people cause trouble in our lives, make peace. One time a brother that I know got a nasty letter from somebody and he said, what do you think I ought to do? Should I call them up right now? I said, let's send them a fruit basket. Let's send them some flowers and say we've been thinking about them and how grateful we are for them. If your enemy's hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him water. In doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. Those coals of fire refer to Isaiah 6 when that seraphim took that tongue with that coal on it and touched Isaiah's tongue and it purified his lips. In doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on your enemy's head. Do good. Bless your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. And when you're exalted, give Yahweh the glory. Our message, brothers and sisters, this is my last sentence. Our message is not we are better than anybody else. Our message is this is the best life that you could ever have serving Yahweh. It's not about us. It's about His rules and regulations. When the other nations look at Israel, when Israel was performing the law of Yahweh properly, they said, what a wise, mighty one these guys serve. Maybe we ought to join up and keep those laws because they're working good for that society. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We are the kingdom now. In one sense of the word, we are the kingdom now. When people look at us, they should realize we're citizens of a different kingdom. Let us never forget that. Next week, we'll talk about verse at least verse 17. I don't know how far I'll get. But... uh Praise Yahweh.